do not at me. Good news for me. Yes, my friends, Ilya Sorokin is an Islander. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 39, as we get ready to hopefully restart this NHL season coming up soon. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. Please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And and boy, do we have a lot of stuff to get to. You know, I'm almost, almost tempted to cue up the Ilya Sorokin theme music right away. But I think we'll hold off just a little bit. I know that's the subject that people really want to hear about. Um, the Islanders get their, get their top goalie prospect finally, finally signed. Uh, to two contracts, and we'll 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 delve into that, and we'll we'll answer some questions uh, via Twitter on Ilya Sorokin, and we'll get to that theme music. But um, first off, let me just say that I hope everyone again is doing well, gotten through another week, and we are another week closer. Hopefully, I say that again to. The restart of this NHL season, but what we have seen this week and uh, is the restart of a formal training camp. And uh, I'll tell you what, it, it's been really fun just to be back at the rink these last couple of days, see the boys skating around on the ice. Even if things are not normal, that, that does give a little sense of normalcy, I'm, I'm sure, to the team. Coach Barry Trotz has talked about what what it's meant to be back at the rink, even while, you know, even just getting there. You know, you're wearing your mask in your car outside. There are all these health and safety protocols. And, and certainly, uh, from my end, uh, it is not the same as uh, things were before, but that's to be expected. Uh, socially distant Wearing masks, uh, no face-to-face interactions with the players or the coaching staff. Everything conducted via Zoom or conference call. And, uh, you know, it's a small price. Obviously, you don't have the relationships that you would like to have as a journalist. Um, but, uh, again, that's that's so far down on the list of priorities in the world right now. It's not even worth really complaining or mentioning about that. Uh, and honestly, there's nothing to do about that. So, uh, you know, yeah, back at the rink and, uh, I'll give you some, uh, impressions of the first couple of days. Let me just set the scene for you here. I, I'm well past midnight here at Shea Gross and I am, uh, uh, I'm sitting down in a room by myself talking into a cell phone and, uh, trying not to feel too crazy about about that <laughs> um i i will say uh you know what what i do feel like is like i'm wolfman jack spinning some records in, in a really darkened studio and uh, please 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 do not at me and ask me who wolfman jack is it just you know because when i get questioned about things from my childhood it, it just makes me feel even older than I sometimes feel. So please do not at me asking me who Wolfman Jack is. If if you do know, fantastic. You'll get the reference. If you don't, there's a Wikipedia page on this guy. So anyway, uh, just call me Wolfman Gross tonight, and uh, we're going to talk some hockey. Uh, going at it solo as we get back to uh, some Islander hockey uh, as compared to a uh, past couple of episodes where uh, I was joined uh, very ably, I might add, and I, I really appreciate his input by my uh, Newsday colleague and good friend, Colin Stevenson. Um, but it is just me on the microphone uh, right now. And uh, uh, again, like I said, I'm going to get to everything Sorokin shortly, and we're going to hear some sound from Lou Lamarillo about getting Ilya Sorokin signed. But... Uh, as I mentioned, the Islanders opened training camp uh, on Monday as they prepare for their best-of-five qualifying series against the Panthers, which we know will open up 
on August 1st. We know a few more things as well. We know the Islanders and Rangers are going to play uh, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I hesitate calling it a preseason game because we're actually 68 games into the regular season about to go into the playoffs. So I can't call it a preseason game. So I'll just call it an exhibition game. Uh, the Rangers and Islanders playing on July 29th up in Toronto once they get to the bubble. Uh, that'll be an 8 p.m. game. And uh, we know the Islanders are starting their best of five against the Panthers on August 1st. That's going to be a 4 p.m. face-off, and then they play Game 2 on August 4th. That'll be a noon face-off, and uh, the teams also play the next day, August 5th, Game 3. And that is also a noon face-off, which is uh, great for me. Um, I, I know not so great for... Uh, for some of you who have to sit at work and uh, with the Islanders facing off at, at noon. But uh, a, as far as deadlines, good news for me. And then uh, games four and five, if necessary, will be August 7th and August 9th. Uh, face-off times still to be determined. And, and what are we going to see from the Islanders as they get to that series. And uh, uh, it'll become a little bit more clear, obviously, as training camp goes on. It's, uh, you know, it is a different training camp, you know, from what you normally see in September in that there are a lot more practices um, and a lot fewer players. In, in September, you know, uh, organization typically brings in about 60 players, uh, splits them into about three groups, but, you know, three, four days into training camp, you, you start with your preseason schedule and you play, you know, six preseason games before you get to the regular season. Um, this time, Coach Barry Trotz has talked about the luxury of having a lot more practice time uh, through a training camp scenario. And he started out, um, what was it, 19 forwards, 11 defensemen, I believe, and then four goalies on the initial roster. Um, we haven't seen all of the players as of yet, but that was the roster to start. And, uh, the first couple of days, he's got it split into two groups. Uh, first day, there was 15 players in each group on the ice. Uh, second day, it was down to 14 players in each group on the ice. They're, they're, they've only got three goalies going. We haven't seen Jacob Skarek, uh, yet. Uh, so Christopher Gibson is pulling double duty. Um, practicing in each session uh, with Varlamov and Thomas Grice. And then uh, the scrimmages start on Wednesday. And, and, and Barry Trotz said there's going to be a lot of scrimmaging here since there's only going to be one exhibition game. It, it's going to be a really good evaluation tool for him. And, and I was asking about him about the evaluation process today. Uh, because uh, for the most part, Barry has started where he left off. And now Nick Letty has uh, did not practice the first couple of days. So uh, and, and again, uh, under the new NHL NHLPA agreed upon guidelines, there is absolutely no information coming out about why players are absent. And this is uh, the NHLPA fought for this as far as. Uh, medical privacy because uh, they they don't want to name uh, the COVID nineteen positive test by name. So you know Nick Letty hasn't been around. So Johnny Boychuk is, is skating with uh you know other partners. But for the most part, Barry has split it up into groups, but really kept what we saw during the regular season intact, uh, and that would be Matthew Barzell uh, skating in between Anders Lee. And Jordan Eberle, he's got Brock Nelson with Josh Bailey and Anthony Beauvillier over the first couple of days. And certainly a healthy Casey Sezikis uh, was back with Cal Clutterback and Matt Martin on, on the first day. Uh, Matty missed the second day and uh, the Islanders couldn't say for sure why that was, but uh, Barry... Uh, assured us all it was all positive and of a personal nature. And, and we all know uh, Maddie and his wife, Sydney, uh, newlyweds, are uh, uh, expecting uh, the couple's uh, first child. So uh, 
you know, no definitive announcement there, but we're all hoping uh, for good news on that front. So, you know, the fourth line's intact, top line's intact, Brock Nelson's line's intact. He's got J.G. Pajot, again, skating uh, with Derek Prasard on his wing, and he's had Tommy Kuhnhockel and Michael Dalcal alternate, uh, alternating there. And then, you know, uh, Andrew Ladd and uh, Ross Johnson have been in the other group. And uh, also, he's got Otto Koivula. This was on Tuesday. He's got Otto Koivula um, skating in between uh, the two Bridgeport forwards and first-rounders, Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom. And uh, I, I asked Barry um, on, on a uh, Zoom teleconference, just, you know, how does a guy like a, a Wallstrom or a Bellows really get a, a, a fair shake at, at, at earning a roster spot when, when Barry really seems to be keeping the old combinations intact and also with only one exhibition game? How, do, how does a guy like uh, Bellows or Wallstrom really get noticed or... or uh, or Otto, for that matter, uh, through this camp. And uh, that's when Barry started talking about the scrimmages and how important they're going to be. Um, and also, you know, he, he mentioned that, you know, he expected some players to be further ahead than where they were. And he said they weren't all veterans, but he he did mention, he without naming names, of course, because that, that's not how Barry Trotz does, but... Barry did say that, you know, some of the veterans were not where he thought they might be. And, and he conversely said some of the younger players were a lot further along than where he thought they might be. So uh, whether Barry's trying to get the message out publicly to uh, kind of uh, spur some of his veterans to get going here or, or whether this is, you know, an observation just, you know, uh, of real surprise there. Uh, either way, you know, th- th- this is how guys like Kiefer Bellows or Oliver Wallstrom are going to get noticed in camp is through these scrimmages. So, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see that. And then def- defensively also, uh, he's got a, uh, like I said, he's got 11 defensemen in, even though Nick Letty uh, has not skated as of me talking to you early, early, early Wednesday morning. And uh, also, uh, Scott Mayfield did not skate on Tuesday, and and you expect there to be some uh, necessary bumps and bruises and uh, maybe some, uh, you know, sore groins and legs uh, as they go through this kind of unique to the NHL restart um, in the middle of the summer, in the middle of July. Um, where, where some players are at different physical levels. So, you know, no Scott Mayfield, but Adam Pellick has looked, uh, you know, pretty good in his first two games back. Um, and, and he's paired again with Ryan Pulak, and uh, Devon Taze was with Mayfield on Monday. Like I said, Johnny Boychuk is, uh, you know, is kind of uh, mixing and matching. You know, he's been with... Uh, uh, I think Andy Green, um, he, he, he's been uh, spending some time with. But Andy Green, you know, is a guy who's fighting for playing time. Uh, Sebastian Ajo from Bridgeport is another guy on the roster, but he has not seen the ice as of yet. Again, no explanation, just one of the guys that's not been out there. Leo Komarov uh, has yet to skate again as of uh, through the first couple of days. You know, it, it does have a familiar look to it and and it also has a familiar look to it I think one of the nice things if I could reflect uh, just you know from I guess humanity or societal point of view the guys are having fun uh, because it is you know for you for me for them for everyone it's been uh, let's face it just truly bizarre and weird the last four months and, and this is this is their little island of solitude out there on the ice. And I didn't mean to make a pun with the island or anything like that that just kind of rolled off my tongue. But honestly, this is, you know, their, their respite out there from the craziness and the, and the uncertainty in the world. This is what they know is, is hockey. And you can just see the exuberance out there. You know, a lot of, you know, 
guys patting each other's on the butt, you know, encouraging each other, a lot of stick taps, uh, the coaches going around with stick taps, a lot of encouragement, and, uh, you know, maybe it hasn't been the Christmas, and, uh, you know, I did ask Barry, because to me, I, I thought day two had a little bit more pace, a little bit more physicality, um, Barry said not necessarily, uh, that, that's sort of what it looked like to me, but uh, Barry... Uh, said that, that that's not how he evaluated it. But, you know, the excitement and the enthusiasm is there. And if anyone was wondering, you know, how this was all going to be, whether players were going to be able to flip a switch, as it were, and and really get back to that, you know, a let's go for the Stanley Cup attitude, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue whatsoever. I mean, you know, what will really be an issue is how quickly teams can adapt to these unique circumstances. And uh, the two biggest keys when the Islanders get to Toronto or, you know, any one of these 24 teams, whether they're going to Edmonton or Toronto, and again, let's for a second assume that it's clear sailing and this is going to happen here. Two biggest keys uh, for any team to to get through the qualifying series or to get through playoff rounds is obviously, as in any year, the goaltending is going to have to be very good. Um, And then two, it's it's really going to be the team that not only adapts to the unique circumstances of being in a, you know, a hotel arena quarantine bubble, uh, for for up to two months through the Stanley Cup final, it's the team that adapts to that, and you know just accepts it. I guess as this is what it is, and you you can't fight it. You can't wonder about what ifs and 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 how things might have been. You, you the team that that accepts the circumstances and gets the good goaltending are, are the team that's gonna the you know be successful here through this playoff restart and uh, spoke with Brendan Burke and Doc Emmerich on on past episodes. It's really, really, really tough to predict uh, which which teams are going to come out of the gate well and which teams are not going to come out of the gate well. So really, you know, this is a tournament where you would think, you know, one through 24, any one of these teams may be able to go on a run here you know obviously uh starting with the qualifying series instead of needing 16 games to win a Stanley Cup you're going to need 19 games to win a Stanley Cup and that's 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 never been done in the NHL either so uh a, a lot of challenges there and but, but I will say you know again you know bringing it back to me since this is, you know, me talking in in the middle of the night. Um, hopefully someone's listening. <laughs> um, how, how to explain this? It's a, uh, it, it's a good feeling, one, being back at the rink. And, and, and as I mentioned, one of, you know, somewhat normalcy, even though it is the middle of the summer. Um at the same time, you know, I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier. In a way, it also highlights how how different life is uh, when you're there. You you do notice the differences. Uh, certainly, from my point of view, you, you notice the differences in how you have to cover things, and then that sort of, you know, as grateful as I am to be covering hockey again, it, it does even it, it makes you miss what you expected as a normal, uh, almost even more. But uh, I think that's outweighed by being actually back at the practice rink. So, uh, you know, no worries there. And one, one of my buddies asked me whether I expected high-scoring games uh, coming out of the shoot, you know, uh, because maybe it was a little bit sloppy and teams were not getting to their defensive structures quickly as uh, as... They would want to, and you know what? I I think I agree with that. I I think they're you're you're gonna see not you know track meet shootouts, but I think you're going to see some higher scores 
than you would normally see through a tight playoff run. So uh, I, I think, you know, the teams that can adjust to that as well will be, uh, will be successful as well. And, and of course, uh, you know, that means from the Islanders that, uh, you know, that top line is going to have to produce and uh, that Brock Nelson line is going to have to produce and J.G. Pajot and Brass are going to have to produce. And, uh, uh, and, and it's all question marks as to, you know, what, what, where that team is going to be in terms of, you know, in baseball terms, are the hitters going to be in front of the pitchers or are the pitchers going to be ahead of the uh, hitters? And usually it's the pitchers who are ahead. And, w- and we'll see if the scorers are ahead of the uh, goalies uh, to start. Talked with uh, Semyon Varlamov today about his training. And, uh, you know, he, he, he went back to Texas uh, almost immediately after the Islanders returned from Calgary on, uh, what was that, March 12th. Um, Varlamov, I'm not sure if he's aware of the movie or not. I'm suspecting he was. But he said he wanted to escape New York um, because of how bad the coronavirus was spreading through New York State uh, at that time in March. So he, he and his family drove back to Texas um, out in Lubbock, and he was just talking about how tough it was to find ice time. You know, finally found some ice time, then got to Colorado, was able to train a little bit there. But really, he was in a rink by himself without facing shots for a long, long time. Um, you know, so he's just, you know, he obviously was facing some shots, uh, you know, during the phase two, the, the voluntary small groups. Um, you know, but that, that that's what I'm talking about with the goalies. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the goalies come back because, uh, you know, they're really ramping up their games again and, and trying to feel comfortable with it. So, uh, you know, Varlamov, uh, just talking about, you know, how, you know, he's sort of got to refine his technique there. And he's starting to feel comfortable. And he was confident that once the game started, he would be at 100%. But, uh, you know, he's not there yet. Thomas Grice isn't there yet. Christopher Gibson isn't there yet. And uh, that brings us to the portion of the show that I'm sure everyone uh, is waiting for. And that is the cue to cue up the Ilya Sorokin theme music. Yes, my friends, Ilya Sorokin is an Islander. At long last, third round pick in 2014, and uh, we've... You know, if you're an Islander fan, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And, uh, you know, but not only do the Islanders and Lou Lamarillo get them uh, to sign one deal, in in one day they announce two deals with him. And, and the breakdown is this. Um, he signs his entry-level deal for the remainder of the 2019-2020 season. And as we've discussed He's ineligible to play as an unsigned uh, draft pick who was signing his entry-level deal. Cannot play the, the year on his entry-level contract. And it's a, it's a one-year entry-level contract this season uh, for, for the $925,000. Um, but this year will be burned. And as a result, he was going to be a restricted free agent going into, uh, you know, into next season or, or this off season, but the Islanders and the, and, and Sorokin and his agent, uh, Milstein, uh, get this taken care of now. And they also announce an extension for the 2021 season, uh, one year, $2 million deal where, uh, 1 million of that is in a signing bonus. So, uh, he he is signed for next season. There there's no fretting about that. And after that one season is over, uh, he's a restricted free agent again uh, with arbitration rights. And I think it's a it's a good deal for the Islanders uh, for next season at one year two million. Uh, it's a cap friendly deal 
so now you're you're spending along with Varlamov, who's on a four-year, twenty million dollar deal. You're you're spending seven million on your two goalies, um, and, and that's actually down this year. They got eight million invested in Varlamov and Grice, who who now. You know, even if the Islanders wanted to bring Thomas Grice back uh, with this flat salary cap at 81.5 uh, million, it's, I, I don't see that happening. And, uh, you know, Thomas Grice is going to go down as a really good New York Islander. He can certainly hang his head high uh, for the service he put in with the Islanders. And, and it's certainly not over as he's got a very, very good chance to get, you know, uh, the bulk of the uh, the time against the Panthers, if he has good scrimmages and a good exhibition game, and uh, you know just is sharper because Barry Trotz is going to go with the players who he thinks are the crispest, and uh, and again that brings us back to you know what I talked about with Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom, but um, you know uh, as far as Ilya Sorokin getting back to him because again this is what you guys want to hear about. Um, so he gets a one-year, $2 million deal for him. And, and, you know, if he has a really, really good season next year, and, you know, that's certainly, I, I would imagine, his expectation and the organization's expectation. Um, he's a restricted free agent again, and, and, you know, he can double his salary or, you know, another one-year deal as an RFA. And I'm sure that's, you know, the ultimate goal is to, make him an unrestricted free agent um, as quickly as, you know, as soon as they can at age 27 or, uh, you know, when he's eligible to be a UFA. But for now, you know, they're, they're going to probably, you know, do these RFA deals, short-term RFA deals, trying to get him more and more money uh, through that process. But so he signed for next season and... The NHL, as we know, is not expecting uh, to start next season until December 1st. And obviously, you know, uh, the KHL season, it's going to be, you know, almost, what is it, nine months maybe, eight months uh, between games. If uh, if Sorokin goes right from the KHL season and waits for the NHL season. But I asked Lou Lamarillo about the AHL possibility and not just you know, whether Ilya Sorokin could suit up for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And and Lou said, as you'll hear, that um, certainly Ilya has, uh, you know, indicated a willingness to go to the AHL and, and play if that's what's deemed best. But I asked Lou specifically, you know, we don't know when the AHL is going to start its season. You know, we we know that the NHL is saying, they're going to start on December 1st, but we, we don't know when the AHL is going to start its season. Uh, for all we know, they could start on time in October. And, uh, you know, maybe Ilya gets, you know, October, November uh, with Bridgeport before, uh, you know, getting some time in the NHL. That That is certainly a possibility. I, I think that would be uh, the best case scenario for Lou and, and, and probably even Ilya. Uh, to get acclimated to the NHL. But uh, so two contracts here for Ilya Sorokin and uh, Islanders really didn't waste much time. They had this 53-hour window. Um, All NHL teams did to get their unsigned draft picks signed. A 53-hour period starting Monday at noon. And uh, the deal was announced really... um, uh, Milstein, the agent, uh, announced it via Twitter on, on Monday night. And then the Islanders announced on Tuesday, uh, not only confirming, uh, the entry level deal, but also announcing the extension. So now, now the next question, uh, was when will we see Ilya Sorokin? And, uh, uh, Lou, as you'll hear, you know, talks about, you know, Ilya, they were not, going to bring Ilya over from Russia before any deal was reached. And uh, he doesn't think Ilya would have traveled uh, before any deal was reached. But now they're going to try to expedite 
getting Sorokin into this training camp or working with director of goaltending Mitch Korn and goalie coach Piero Greco. Um, the deal is that Sorokin is eligible to participate in this phase three, which is training camp, and the Islanders can bring him up to the hub city. Um, Lamarillo was saying that he's hoping Sorokin would not count against the 31 players maximum that the Islanders can bring up to Toronto, but would count against the 52 uh, traveling uh, personnel total, and that includes coaches, um, uh, equipment managers, doctors, uh, the players, Lamarillo management, or, you know, everyone, the, everyone that the Islanders are going to bring to Toronto, they can only have 52 total and 31 of those are going to be players. So, uh, uh, Lamarillo said he's still hoping that, uh, uh, Sorokin will not count against the player, uh, list, but just count against the Islanders overall list. And the goal is to just, like I said, get him as much ice time right now, uh, get him acclimated uh, or start the acclimation process with Mitch Korn and Piero Greco, who, by the way, were described as uh, you know kids in a candy store by Coach Barry Trotz whenever they get their hands on a, a, a young player, and certainly one with the pedigree that Ilya Sorokin has, because let, let's face it. I mean, the expectations here are, are, are huge. Um, and not just because the anticipation of Sorokin coming to the Islanders has has been there for so long. This is a guy that led uh, Siska, Siska Moscow to a KHL title. Um, this is a, a guy who won an Olympic gold with the Russian Olympic athletes in 2018. Um, he's, he's performed so well in, in the world championships and, uh, you know, everyone's seen the, uh, the highlight videos from the KHL. This is a, an aggressive, incredibly, incredibly athletic, flexible goalie. And, and all the expectations here are, you know, this guy's going to be a star in the Islanders net and he's going to be this team's number one goalie. Uh, for for the long term future. I mean, that's you know certainly the hopes, and I think that that that's where the expectations start for this guy. And uh, you know, Lou Lamorello again, as you'll hear, talks about you know he has the resume, he has the skill, he has the talents, and all that goes out the window when you come out to North America in the NHL. You have to prove it. And uh, but you know he certainly does have the skill and the talent to prove that uh, all this hype, it was worth it. It was worth the wait. Uh, I mean, and that's what Ilya Sorokin is going to have to prove. And I'm hoping, you know, next podcast, two podcasts from now, I can give you some eyewitness accounts of what this guy looks like uh, in, in practice. And, uh, you know, just having those kind of impressions in, in person or are just hugely important. And I, I know people chafe when I, I bring up the fact that, that I once covered the Rangers, but I, I will relate that um, when Henrik Lundqvist first came over, it was uh, after that lockout, after the lockout just wiped out the 04-05 season. So uh, I'm talking, uh, it must have been August 05, one of the or maybe early September 05, one of these early, you know, captain skates were, you know, voluntary before training camp opened. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how I found out, but I, I did hear that Lundquist was going to be on the ice that day. And everyone was kind of curious to see this guy. Um, you know, he'd been a, uh, you know, not a high draft pick, but he certainly came with a reputation uh, from Sweden. So I, I went over there and I was actually, my memory is I was the only media member actually watching this session and Lundqvist was at the, the, the far net. And my first impression of Lundqvist was I, I had just never seen a goalie go post to post that quickly. And I just thought he was a marvelous skater. Um, you know, certainly very young. I think he was 23 at the time, but he just, he, he went post to post like he wasn't even moving. He was just there. 
Um, and, and then I was one of the, I was the first guy who got to talk to him uh, in the dressing room after that session. But uh, I bring this up only because I am excited to see Ilya Sorokin for the first time. I know it won't be the same circumstances, but I, I'm really looking forward. And, and, and I've always been an aficionado of goalies. I've always gravitated. I think I've mentioned this uh, numerous times on the podcast. I've always gravitated towards the goalies. I, I, I honestly think it is the most fascinating position in any sport. I, I just love uh, the, the whole process of being a hockey goalie. I can't tell you how excited I am to to start to watch what Ilya Sorokin can do. You know, you kind of feel like you're getting in on the on the ground floors of his NHL career, and you know, seeing it from the beginning. And you know, knock on wood here. Hopefully, I get to see you know a significant portion uh, of this guy's NHL career. But um, with that, um, and continuing on with the Ilya Sorokin theme here, let's hear a little bit from Islanders president and general manager Lou Lamarillo on the organization signing Ilya Sorokin to not one, but two contracts. What we had to do was, first of all, have an understanding that he wanted to come uh, and that if we did make a decision to burn a year, that we would in good faith be able to sit down and negotiate, you know, a fair situation because of his status, uh, you know, his abilities, and also with the unknown that he had not been here. Uh, and I was comfortable with that, uh, you know, in with his previous agent uh, and also his present agent uh, so that he, he had to play a very big role in that uh, that he definitely wanted to come or we would not have gone in this direction. And we were comfortable that we could get something worked out. Uh, you know, you put faith in a person's word and trust, and then you go forward, uh, which says a lot for him. It, it is part of the plan to get him here, uh, you know, because we, you know, have the practice time we do have, and we certainly have the number of uh, uh, players we have here. And we also have the ice time that our goaltending coaches uh, can work with him, understanding of uh, his talents, and he get a better understanding of what's expected. And it is the intention to take him to the hub with the team, uh, knowing that he cannot play. Uh, to be with him, uh, you know, learn more about the environment, uh, because, you know, he has not been here. Uh, you know, he has a, he's attended, in my understanding, one prospect camp years ago. Uh, but, you know, he, he has been totally in a cage. And that was Lou Lamarillo talking about Ilya Sorokin. And now we're going to continue talking about Ilya Sorokin and maybe a couple of other things as we get to Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And I really got to thank you guys. Um, literally, uh, I think we topped the 1 million mark in, in questions via Twitter uh, in one day. Uh, just inundated with questions. No, it's it's not a million. It just, uh, it, it was a lot of questions. Uh, a lot of Ilya Sorokin questions. And, uh, uh, um, you know, I'm going to go through this. And uh, if I feel... I've already touched upon the subject in, in in the previous segment. Forgive me for not reading your question here, but uh, uh, I'm going to do the best I can and, and also throw in some uh, non-Ilya Sorokin questions as we go along. And I flip through this and we'll start with Doc Ed, who says, I wonder if you and your sort of kind of co-host Colin Stevenson could comment on the friendship rivalry between Sorokin and Shesterkin. Are they from the same area? Do they train together? What's the background there? Thank you. And uh, that, that, that's certainly something I'll be asking uh, Ilya about more uh, when we do get to talk to him. And uh, I've been told by, uh, you know, some Russian media that, you know, his English is not bad. It's, it's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, 
interestingly, uh, Semyon Varlamov on a Zoom conference uh, uh, was asked, what's the most important thing, uh, you know, for a, a Russian or really any, you know, uh, non-North American player coming over here, uh, you know, both on the ice and off the ice. And, and Semyon just stressed the importance of knowing English. So you're not kind of cut off from your coaches and your your teammates and, you know, even little things. He said it, it makes going out and buying groceries easier. So uh, I, I think the fact that Ilya, as I'm told, you know, has a pretty good basis in English, uh, I think that's a, a plus, plus on his side. But as far as the... Uh, friendship rivalry between Sorokin and Chesterkin, uh, the Rangers' uh, uh, new number one goalie. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it, friendship slash rivalry, because, you know, they, they there is a rivalry because uh, they have this hype as these two uh, hugely talented Russian goalie prospects who are now coming over to the NHL, and, and it's just going to be you know, even more under a microscope, a microscope with Shesterkin uh, taking over the Rangers' net, and uh, you know his buddy Ilya Sorokin taking over. Uh, you know, as we expect, the the Islanders' net, and you know, just another chapter in this New York hockey rivalry. But you know, doing some reading on them, they met as teenagers. Um, I believe when they were 17, they, they did not grow up together. I was looking at where uh, Sorokin's hometown is compared to Shesterkin, uh, who, you know, his his birthplace was Moscow. And uh, the, the distance meter I got was a 50-hour drive. Um, you know, Russia obviously being just a, a, a ginormous country. Um, so it's not like they were neighbors growing up, but certainly... You know, two goalies of that pedigree, you know, uh, national teams, um, you know, traveling together. Um, they've become really, really good friends, buddies, you know. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, there, there's that, uh, I think it's Instagram or, or whatever, that clip of the two of them, I think, in Italy, uh, singing in the streets together. Um, you know, so there, there is a really tight, friendship between those two and and it's going to be really interesting with 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 one playing on the rangers and one playing on the islanders and uh something uh something to look forward to uh matt says do we know any more details on the contract um and is it similar to uh uh Kaprizov, uh from the wild regarding ahl and european leagues um and that being, uh, can uh, can uh, Sorokin be loaned back out? Um, I guess to European leagues, if there's no no games going on in North America, my my understanding is he could be, but certainly the Islanders are hoping not to loan this guy. They want him either playing at Bridgeport or up in the island, and. Uh, uh, Matt goes on, is it assumed at this point he'll be on the Islanders bench next season? I, I think assumed is a strong word. I, I think if things go the way the organization wants, he'll, he'll be in a goalie tandem with Varlamov next season. Um, and how does his signing impact the offseason transactions Current RFAs and UFAs, and uh, you know, one year at two million. Um, the Islanders, I, 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 like I said, I, I think that was a, uh, I don't know if you want to call it cap friendly, but I, I, I don't think the Islanders are, you know, handcuffing themselves any more than they might already be uh, with that type of deal for a goalie. And as I said, they're actually. You know, if you consider Grice and Varlamov were at eight million combined this season, that would bring it down to seven million combined for for next season. So, if you know, potentially even opening up a, a little bit of cap space there with the deal for next season. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, just shooting around, Michael Garini says, even if we trade Letty, I have the Islanders at about four point five million over the cap. Once we sign the RFAs, and you know, 
I guess you got to tell me what you're signing the RFAs for. Um, how can they fix that, assuming there is no interest in Lad, Komarov, and, and Boychuk? And, uh, you know, you, you go back to Letty or, you know, I, I really think Lou, uh, in order to move a contract, you're going to have to do the painful thing of also, you know, attaching uh, a good prospect to the deal or, uh, you know, a really good pick uh, to entice another team to take on a contract. Because let's face it, you know, everyone knows the Islanders probably have to move some contracts. So there, there's not going to be any, uh, you know, uh, discounts on, on the trade market. And, and Lou is not the only uh, GM who, you know, is going to have to do some juggling to, to figure out a cap situation because, you know, no, no team, uh, even, you know, five months ago expected next year's cap to be flat. That's not how this was planned at all. So a lot of teams are scrambling here, but, you know, if you're talking about moving contracts, it's, uh, there, there might be some, uh, pain associated with that kind of trade. Um, Let's see, John Carroll says, what's your opinion on Sorokin only signing a one-year futures deal? Is it more Sorokin wanting flexibility to leave if he doesn't like it with the Islanders or Lou telling him to prove his worth? Um, I, I wouldn't... Uh, look, the, the one-year deal, it, it works for both sides because it's a relatively low cap number as discussed. And also Sorokin, if he has you know, a huge season can can certainly add more. And I think it was, you know, again, we're dealing in uncertain times here. And I think it was the best solution for both sides uh, to benefit both sides the most. Um, uh, James King says, are you more excited or relieved that he is signed? Uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this guy. I, I like, as I mentioned, I, I like being in on the ground floor, as it were, with, with these, you know, uh, players who you expect to be, you know, NHL stars. Um, let's see. Do you see Matt Martin resigning a team-friendly deal to stay an Islander, leave, or retire? I don't think Matty is ready to retire for for sure. I, I Knowing Matt and knowing his family situation and uh, just how much he loves it here, uh, certainly his first option is to re-sign with the Islanders. And it's a matter of, yeah, it's going to have to be a team-friendly deal. Um, you know, and, and I'm not quite sure how low that would go right now, but, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly do think it's something, you know, uh, Lou Lamarillo, Lou Lamarillo mentioned that they're going to try and resign their unrestricted free agents. Now, you know, Thomas Grice is in that group as well, but, uh, you know, I, I do think, uh, I take Lou at his word there. I think he has a ton of respect for Matt Martin. And I know Barry Trotz will advocate for keeping that fourth line together. So, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Islander says, I don't understand how the goalie situation is going to work. Uh, if I was Sorokin, I would want to play and I wouldn't want to share time with anyone. If Sorokin gets... All the playing time, what are we paying Varlamov for? And, you know, that's just not really how the NHL works. Uh, and that's true less and less. For the most part, uh, you're seeing the return of these goalie tandems rather than the workhorse number one. And, uh, you know, that's the model. So I, I think Sorokin, you know, uh, Sorokin will get his playing time. Um you know, and let's face it, also the KHL season is shorter than the NHL. So I don't think you want to burden uh, Sorokin with uh, 65 to 70 games uh, to to start off. So, uh, you know, I, I think there is value in both goalies there. Um, let's see. Antoni says, do you think it will be Varlamov Sorokin the first year, then followed by a Sorokin uh, Varlamov uh, split right after that, meaning will Varley be number one 
uh, next season, and then Sorokin take over as number one. And and I I don't think <laughs> I I I don't think that's how Barry looks at it. Is number you know he looks at it. He keeps saying certainly with Varley and Grice, it was a one and one A. And you know that was that was also true when uh, Robin Lehner was here with Thomas Grice. It was you know. Uh, more of uh, equitable playing time, and, and Barry would go with the goalie who was playing the best at that moment. And I think that's how he's going to continue uh, with Varlamov and Sorokin. Um, Stu says, short of sipping vodka from the Conn Smythe Trophy, as he leads the cup parade to Belmont, is there anything Sorokin can do to live up to the relentless hype? Hashtag no pressure. Um, you know what? I mean, yeah, certainly there's hype, but I, I think all Islander fans want to see, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to be, you know, Domin Kashik right off the bat, but if he's a consistent goalie, uh, that, that, that's pretty good. I mean, and, and if you've seen the, the, the highlights of him, his, athleticism and his flexibility necessarily lead to him making some spectacular saves. So uh, I, I don't worry about the relentless hype with this guy. Um, Dan Hausman says, if an NHL team pulls an FC Dallas and exit the tournament, will that be a forfeit or will they try to bring in one of the seven that didn't make it? And, uh, no, there's no shot of one of those seven who didn't make it uh, being brought in because none of those seven are, are in training camps right now. So, uh, you know, if a whole team cannot play, uh, I, I haven't really asked about it, but I, I would think that would, you know, uh, if Team X just can't go because of a coronavirus outbreak, uh, the league is going to have to weigh either shutting the whole thing down or just continuing on minus one team. But uh, no, bringing one of those seven up, like a second division club, that that's not how this is going to work. Danny says, who's going to be responsible with showing Sorokin how to properly hold the golf club, I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I think there are plenty of candidates on the Islanders to do that, and I'm not so certain that uh, uh, Ilya is not already um, uh, not comfortable, you know, is, he might already be comfortable with the golf club in his hand. Um, Thomas Boyle asked, do you see Barzell taking a hometown discount, or is he going to ask north of $10 million? And uh, neither. To be honest with you, uh, I, I don't see Barzell taking a hometown discount whatsoever. But at the same time, uh, I, I think the talk of a $10 million deal uh, RFA under the current economic uh, crisis, in, in, you know, not only in the NHL, in the world, I, I, I see Barzell, you know, probably settling uh, or or trying to get or, or, or signing more of a bridge deal, you know, uh, maybe two years at 14 million, maybe three years at 21 million, something, something like that. Um, let's see, after Sorokin's contract ends during the 2021 season, do you expect them to sign him long-term? And, uh, you know, uh, I certainly think there will be those discussions um, uh, of getting him, you know, more than a, you know, uh, more than a one-year deal, doing a multi-year deal with them. Certainly, if he has a good season, but if he has a good season, uh, Sorokin may be uh, more inclined to again sign the shorter-term RFA deal uh, to get him to unrestricted free agency, where he can really make some money. So uh, do I expect them to sign him long-term? I think that's going to be much more up to Ilya than it is uh, to the Islanders. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Chris says, what do you think his biggest weakness will be adjusting to NHL-style play? And, and the big thing you always hear about is uh, uh, the, the amount of shots in the NHL and the angles, because... 
the KHL plays on the on the much bigger Olympic size sheet, whereas in comparison the NHL rinks are much more confined. So the angle of shots are, are different. There's less space to operate in, and you know a lot more traffic in front of the net. And uh, you know that that that's one thing they'll have to work on with Ilya Sorokin, who tends to be a, a very aggressive goalie and uh you know they may have to teach him to to be a little bit further back um in order to you know have a better shot at at maybe seeing a couple of pucks there um let's see uh, in trots we trust any word when Sorokin is arriving to Isles camp Lou Lamarillo did not have a uh uh, a timetable. It all depends on when he can clear all the health and safety protocols, the quarantining from traveling internationally, uh, obtaining his work visa, all that type of stuff. Um, so uh, no date yet, but you know, Lou was talking about getting him into camp, uh, certainly before July 26th. So they, you know, when the Islanders travel to that hub. Um, Duma Flatch 1969 says, uh, will the Islanders trade Leo to get Barzell a good contract or anyone else? Um, I, I don't know how much of a trade market for Leo Komarov there might be with that contract. Um, you know, but yeah, uh, they're going to have to, like I said, finagle something to get a little bit more flexibility, uh, in terms of salary cap. Um, whether, you know, whether they buy out Leo or, or a player, um, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, as, as players often say, it's a little bit above my pay grade trying to, you know, play capologist with all this, but, you know, the Islanders, uh, and, you know, I, I know there's always speculation, but, uh, you know, do the Islanders have to worry uh, about an offer sheet to Barzell from a, a team that has more money uh, that could hamstring uh, the Islanders? Uh, you know, uh, we we always poo-poo that, saying, you know, uh, we always hear about offer sheets, but, you know, uh, they either never come or, or they're just, you know, like the Sebastian Ajo deal, uh, not the Islanders' Sebastian Ajo deal or... Uh, you know, it just never works. It's just not. It's just not an efficient way of doing business. But is this this off season going to be a little bit different? Um, you know, because of the flat salary cap and and a lot of teams having issues. Is the team going to try and hamstring um, uh, the Islanders here? You know, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, so. Um, See, uh, Tom Cole says, what do you think they do to work around the cap situation? A lot of questions uh, about that. Um, Josh Frost says, do we know what number he will be assigned? Looked like Ilya Sorokin was going to get 30. I don't know if that's official. Um, Jimmy being optimistic when they win the cup, will there be a parade? Um, you know, <laughs> uh, with, with 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 some of the uh you know restrictions on large crowds i'm not so sure um which rink at northwell do you prefer more um because there's the arbor rink and the tory rink and uh you know one obviously is a lot a lot bigger stands that's where they hold those rookie games in the preseason uh summer you know development squad scrimmage I like the one that's uh, warmer um, <laughs> because, because and, and it varies. Sometimes you walk into one rink and it's bearable and you walk into the other rink and, and you can't think in there. It's so cold. Um, and the next day it's switched. So uh, I, I like the one that, uh, you know, doesn't force me to shiver and chip my teeth because I'm chattering them too much. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. Melissa goes, better make some new music for the Matt Barzell questions. Mark, you hear that? We now need uh, Matt Barzell questions. And I should note that uh, <laughs> you, uh, Mark was preparing some Josh Hosang theme music, um, but it doesn't look like that's going to be an issue. Um, so, yeah, maybe Matt Barzell is next on the hit list. Um, and how much will you and Colin miss the Sorokin questions? And uh, not at all. This is fun. Um, Jay Gutter, can we sign him long term or will he jump ship after, uh, uh, I guess that's 2021 and discuss that? You know, that's... Uh, that's in Ilya's hands, really. Um, let's see. Josh Grinning says, is it confirmed that Sorokin will play next season as a result of signing again? And uh, as much as, yeah, he's got a contract to play next season. He's eligible to play for the Islanders next season. Uh, can anything be confirmed? He, he, what I can confirm is he has an Islanders contract for next season. Uh, Morgan just says, are you excited or are you excited? And I don't know if you can tell by my monotone voice. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, let's see. Uh, Steve Moe says, any chance Lou lets him wear number 90? Doubt it. Um, Buddha says, what is trade value of Varley? Which is a interesting question because, uh, you know, maybe, you, you know, Varlamov's uh, on the cap at $5 million a year. Um, not outside maybe the realm of possibility uh, that Varley might have some trade value. Um, I, I, I also think that maybe, you know, the Islanders wind up leaving Varlamov uh, unprotected uh, for the expansion draft with Seattle and maybe hope that, uh, you know, Seattle, whatever that nickname will be, bites on, on Varley. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, what kind of trade value? I think the contract kind of brings down the return a little bit in these times. Um, so uh, it's tough to say. Maybe, a, you know, you're talking about a third rounder and, a, you know, player back, something like that, maybe. Not sure. Um, uh, Tracy Watson goes, what does this mean for the goalie situation next season? Grace gone or three goalies? And no, I don't think the Islanders want a three goalie situation other than, you know, they want goalies to have certainly for, for, for Bridgeport, but I don't think they want three on the roster. They've been down that path. Uh, as we all know, it's, it's, it's unwieldy. Um, Brian uh, Fawnan, sorry about that, Brian. Uh, obviously, the Sorokin signing is great, but it officially means the team is done with Grace after this season. That makes me sad. He's been great for this team, no complaints, and lots of good play. Really hope he winds up with a great situation. That's a not a question, but a, a really nice segment. Matthew Sloan says, will Sorokin be an RFA or a UFA once Next season's contract is up. He'll be an RFA again. And I guess the last one, uh, let me see if I could find it. It is not a Sorokin question. So Mike Seidler asks, you must build your dream band. Pick a singer, guitarist, bassist, drummer, dead or alive. Who you picking? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I guess, you know, you get asked this question and people immediately go John Bonham and Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix and, uh, you know, John Entwistle or, you know, uh, along those lines. Um, my, my dream band, I'll tell you exactly what my dream band is. Um, I, I'm not saying he's my favorite drummer because, you know, Neil Peart, uh, John Bonham, Keith Moon, you know, there are some amazing drummers, Gene Krupa, Betty Rich, uh, guys like that, uh, Ginger Baker, you know, you can pick a different drummer for all different sorts of things, but if I'm starting a hard rock band, uh, put Cozy Powell back on the drummer's seat, I'll take John Entwistle as the bassist, um, 
the guitarist, this is a little out of left field, um, but, you know, <laughs> for all the great guitars, Terry Kath, uh, the original Chicago guitarist, uh, just, just unreal, unworldly. Uh, I mean, you can talk all you want about, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix and, uh, you know, guys like that. And, 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 and yeah, those, those guys are great. But in a band setting, I really think Terry Kath would be amazing. Although, you know, he's not necessarily meshing as well with the John Entwistle, Cozy Powell rhythm section. But uh, um, as far as a singer is concerned, uh, you know what? Uh, give me Ronnie James Dio. Uh, just uh, just an incredible voice and... Uh, uh, you know, I tend to, uh, you know, lean towards that hard rock uh, any, anyway. You know, I, I love Ian Gillen as well. I would love to hear this. Ronnie James Dio, Terry Kath, John Entwistle, Cozy Powell. Wonder what that would sound like. And, and, and with that, I've rambled on too long. Sorry about that. Um, but I appreciate you uh, coming along on the Ilya Sorokin uh ride here and uh you know we'll be back hopefully next week with another episode of island ice and until then i'm your host andrew gross uh you can find me on twitter at a gross newsday you can find island ice wherever podcasts can be found hopefully you go to the newsday website newsday.com backslash sports there's a whole islanders page you can find us there and until then and i'm not quite ready to uh, bring back happy hockey yet just because i want to make a hundred percent certain that they they actually do play these games here but let me just say please be safe everybody be well and thank you so much take care